Welcome to Going Deeper. My name is Marcy Sklove, and today I'm sitting with Joni Sanders, who is the homelessness organizer for Arise for Social Justice in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, Johnny is also a poet, and we first met uh, at a poetry workshop that Joni was leading, co-leading, for the Truth School for Social Change Leadership. So thank you for coming. Welcome, Joni. It's such a pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Sure. I like to start with these interviews asking um, about your early life and how your early life, your childhood, your experiences sort of put you on the path to do the kind of social justice work that you do sure. now. Sure. Oh, so um, being a homelessness organizer, when I see families coming to Arise for Social Justice. I automatically see my mother and her children walking in, you know, um, into Arise if they have nowhere to stay, because um, we've experienced a lot of traumatizing mm -hmm. moments in my early childhood. Um, we've experienced homelessness uh, after. My, my mother left my father. Um, I grew up in a very abusive home where um, there was domestic violence and um, at the hands of my father and there was um, mental abuse, sexual abuse. And so um, when I see these families come in with you know, these issues, I automatically, it takes me back mm -hmm. to my childhood and it makes me want to help them even more mm. because I've been through it and I understand what it's like to be homeless and just to feel like there's no hope. Wow. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of impressive that I can imagine having gone through that yourself that it would be triggering in some way. And so in, it seems like instead it brings out more compassion, more empathy. Do you ever feel like, oh my God, I can't really listen to this story or that story because it is too much? Yeah, there there are some um, some things that triggers emotions more than others. But mm -hmm. you know, um, I've learned to just uh, take those experiences and use them for good yeah. to help others instead of letting them consume me. I, I use it to help others overcome wow. the same experiences that yeah. I've been through. That's really amazing. That's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So your sister, Ruby Lee Sanders, yes. she wrote this book, 11th Hour Chronicles. Yes. And um, I looked at it partly because it is a novel, but it's it's pretty much an autobiography, right? Yes. And yes. you're in here, kind <laughs> yes. of around the edges. <laughs> Yeah. So what like what was your experience reading this book and hearing her description of of life as a kid? Um it it actually 
there were parts that I read that affected me. I've, you know, I've cried. Mm -hmm. I've done some laughing. Um, but, you know, I just look at my sister as someone who was just has such a, a, a huge amount of courage for even writing this book um, to help others. Yeah. There's, because um, the book itself, it addressed many social issues that we've been through. Like Absolutely. I said, um, you know, domestic violence, homelessness, um, sexual abuse, yeah. um, even, you know, um, even things like um, relationships and, you know, um, just being involved with people who are not feeding, um, feeding you your spirit, but just yeah. putting you down, yeah. you know? So it addresses um, many things that, that are important to us in life, you know? Um, and uh, the way she wrote it, it gives you a guide. It, it gives you a guide to what to look, what to look out for <laughs> um, in relationships, yeah. signs that should tell you to, you know, um, Put a pause on a, a on a so true. on a an abusive re relationship or a potential abusive relationship. So, she lets us see the warning signs, and she's very transparent in the book, mm -hmm. um, letting people know that um, you know, um, although you make mistakes of letting people um, use you or take advantage yeah. of you. Um, you can tell others about it and, and they, can, they can overcome. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Also, when I was reading it, I, there was this aspect of like not sharing her truth for a long time, mm -hmm. keeping it secret, what right. was going on with her husband, you know, at, at the time. And that how difficult that was and then how finally you know she did share it like with your mom and mm -hmm. different people and got support yeah yeah mm -hmm. wow um so one of the things when i first met you at the workshop was about the sort of poetry and the use of poetry mm -hmm. to you know what does poetry do for you? How, how is that in your life? Wow. Um, poetry has been like a saving grace for my life. Um, I've been through many, many trials, many tribulations, and poetry was a way to help me escape or just release some mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. that I had bottled up inside of me. Um, I would write better than I can even verbalize things. Um, mm -hmm. Even um, in my childhood, when I would get into arguments with my sister, they would always win because I was never really verbal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but I would, I would go back later and I would write how I felt on a piece of paper and then I was, you know, I was able to express everything on paper and turn, you yeah. know, my issues into into poetry. Sure. So wow. yeah. Well, that was a, a very good workshop and mm -hmm. useful in seeing another tool that we can use, 
you know, for ourselves personally when we're doing hard work that can be pretty depleting. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, can you start by giving us a little background about Arise for Social Justice? Oh, yes. So Arise is this great organization that started 34 years ago with four women around like a, a kitchen table like this yeah. um, who are on welfare and they were organizing for um, welfare rights. And then uh, all of a sudden they, came this, they became this organization and then they started um, organizing for poor people's rights and it just mm -hmm. became bigger and bigger. And, um, and then they just ran off with it. And yeah. today um, we, we address the same things but now it's expanded so much that we address many manifestations of social injustice. Mm -hmm. And um, so we advocate and provide services around um, housing, homelessness, criminal justice. Um, we have an ILF committee, which is the Injustice Liberation Front. Okay. And they work on issues like um, they help people through police brutality cases, discrimination, and um, most recently, we've really been um, taking a chunk of uh, environmental justice yeah. work, and we've been um, working on that. So, yeah. so um, it's a really community-based organization where um, people who come in they feel like a rise is theirs. It's not like they're walking into like a strict agency with all mm -hmm. these rules and they feel like they're not just a number, but they're a family. Mm -hmm. And we never address people as clients. We address them as our peers because every one of us uh, who, you know, all the staff at Arise has been through something, has fought something, you know, has battled with something. And so we, we let them know that we understand where you're coming from mm -hmm. and we tell them that you can overcome. And so um, aside from providing services and advocacy, we also educate and encourage people to build political power for themselves to find your own voice and fight against these uh, underlying issues that are causing these social problems. You know, it's like um, we want to get rid of the Band-Aid and the wound. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so, really good way to say it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we want to get down to those deep-rooted problems, um, the policies that are causing people to suffer, mm -hmm. you know. And so we encourage everyone who come in to use their voice, you know, yeah. to march with us down at the state house, to, um, you know, call your legislators right. and, you know, and, and be a part of the social change. So that's what Arise is about. And it says it in the name, you know, Arise for sure. social justice. We want people to stand up. Yeah. and use their voices and be part of the, yeah. the political change. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I had the good fortune of looking at that long interview on your website, mm -hmm. um, Michael Ann, and her last name is Busey? Busey, Busey, yes. And one thing she said that I loved was that, uh, let's see, it's here. Um, we are not a social... Uh, social like service agency right we're not here to give food to give 
you know, to find you. I mean, all those things happen, but when the focus is more on structural racism, structural classism, yes. and, and social change, mm -hmm. it's such a different dynamic. Yes. And then it's about, you know, empowering the people who are coming in instead of like, oh, we'll help you because you're in such a bad way. Exactly. Like it's your fault, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and one thing that I really um, admired about Michael Ann is that she would, she would look at someone, like me for instance, and she would see so much, you know, she would see beyond the current circumstance. Yeah, she would see so much inside of a person. She had that ability, wow. you know, and she would encourage people to use their voice and mm -hmm. to speak up. and. You know, um, she used to tell me a lot of times, and I've learned so much from her, and I've become such a different person because of her, oh. but she would tell me to just be more assertive, fight for what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, Michael Ann was a force to be reckoned with, and I mean, people knew that, yeah. you know, that she was a threat to, you know, any kind of injustice, you yeah. know? So she was a powerhouse, and, I will always hold her dear to yeah, my heart and like remember that. just so many, um, so many things that she's done and she said and, you know, yeah. how she just stood up for social justice. Michael Ann is the epitome of what <laughs> social justice is. Yes. That's, that's how I see her through my eyes yeah. and so many others. She talked about making an analysis. Mm -hmm. like learn what this big picture is about. And I mean, she made big changes, oh, yes. not she alone, all of you, mm -hmm. but the whole thing with the, uh, the city council. Oh yes. And changing it from just being at large council members to um, ward related, you know, different uh, neighborhoods. That, uh. that was something. And some of the other things, and Maybe you haven't seen it in a while, but she mentions you oh. in, in the interview because she said something about um, that you had a college degree and she didn't have a college degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that that, you know, was, I think the question was, where is your staff from? And some come from within and come up and that you had been an intern first or what? Yes. Yeah. So, um, well. How did you get there? Um, when I first came into the knowledge of Arise, um, I actually had a friend who was uh, fighting a pro police brutality case. And so I went to one of the rallies and, um, because Arise was just on the scene every step of the way, supporting my friend through his case. Mm. So I said, wow, this is great. You know, I want to be a part of this. So. Um, uh, years later, when I um, when I went to Elms College for my bachelor's degree, and um, we had to complete an internship, I said I want to do I want to complete oh. my internship at Arise because I've seen so them do just such great work, and um, I found out later that even. Um, Arise was involved in my earlier life and I had not known it because when we were displaced and homeless with my mother, yeah. she would go to Arise to get food. 
Oh. You know, so I did, and I didn't know. I didn't know where um, the chicken she would bring home was coming from. It was yeah. actually coming from Arise. So Arise has always sown into my life yeah. <laughs> since I was younger. So did Michael Ann know your mom? Um, Probably not personally. Not personally, yeah. but I'm sure she's seen her. Sure. You know, sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, well, she, um, back then when, you know, my mom was getting food from there, she didn't know her, but... Um, she, you know, since I've been involved as an organizer, she's know she's sure. known my mom, and yeah. they they have oh, a nice sure. relationship. Yeah. How long have you been working there? So I've um, I started as an intern, I believe, um, in 2015 or 2016, mm -hmm. and then um, in 2017 they hired me as a homelessness organizer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And tell us, of, you know, like some of the cases that you're working on or what kinds of, you know, problems you address or oh my how goodness. you help people. Uh, so, you know, my role there um, as a homelessness organizer um, is to advocate for people who have, who are in need of shelter, but they've been denied by the state. Hmm. And so they come in um, with their denial letters, and um, I negotiate with the state agency to um, help them become eligible, mm -hmm. or I help them um, navigate through different resources to um, gather up uh, required documentation. You know, mm -hmm. I just walk them through. Sure. Um, so it could be something as simple as someone needing um, an ID, mm -hmm. but they don't have the money or the resources, so I will help them um, gain access to those types of mm -hmm. requirements. Yeah. And, um, and then they will go back and reapply, and most, most of the time they are accepted into shelter after you know, advocacy sure? and help through Arise. Yeah. So um, we're taping this show in Greenfield, and I think it's really cool that you came from Springfield all the way up here. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think that some of the problems that happen in Springfield are a little more universal. They're not just that Springfield and we're in Greenfield, so we never have those problems. Mm -hmm. But like, can you talk about times when there's been acute um, problems that you've had more more work to do, um, like I don't know something about w when there was the hurricane or oh yeah so um, during Hurricane Maria we've mm -hmm. um, helped a lot of people um, with hotels and stuff during that time. Mm -hmm. um, and we've linked them to family resource centers. And um, uh, we had a family who um, was suffering from domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they were trying to send her back to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And they were asking her to provide all of this documentation. And Puerto Rico was just, I mean, it was, it, it was just a, uh, a mess back there. Mm -hmm. There was no way she could obtain her documents. And so she just kept on um, being given the runaround until finally she felt like she just wanted to give up. And she said, um, 
I'll just give my children to the state. You know, it was that bad because she felt like there was no hope. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to um, push for her to get into a domestic violence shelter, but there were no openings. Mm -hmm. And we actually called um, state to state to see if anyone had any space for this family. Uh, So, um, and it was hard for her to get into shelter because of not having the documentation. So finally, um, we uh, reached out to some folks in Rhode Island. Now this was after about a week. We had um, depleted all of our hotel funds. Michael Land had even taken them into her home for a few days. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's why I love Michael Land too. So um, she's just, you know, um, she just, she did what she had to do. She didn't go, you know, she didn't, she wasn't just for protocol, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. sometimes you just have to do from your heart, exactly. you know. And um, and that's what she did. And then, um, you know, it, finally they got into shelter mm-hmm. and um, the mother's face just lit up. Wow. And um, yeah. it's such a difference, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I get a sense that when you're helping them through all these obstacles in the system, that there's also kind of, are you talking about, like, the system being messed up? Are you, you know, h- helping them see the bigger picture? Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. We, the first thing that we let them know is that, you know, this is not your fault, yeah. you know, because there should be better services to help people who are in these types of situations. There should be, you know, more access to, to resources. Right. So we, we let them know, you know, the, the you know, the government should be better, you know, mm-hmm. like there yeah. should be um, more for people who are going through and that if there were better services or better help out there, a lot of people wouldn't give up. Right. You right. know, they will hold on. Right. And they will have more hope. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the self-blame, the mm-hmm. stigma, all of those things. It's, it's so much uh, blaming the victim now. Right. I mean, there, you know, there were times, like back in the Depression, that everyone could have hard luck. Exactly. You know, and it was seen as somebody's down on their luck. Mm-hmm. But now it's all about blaming that you should be doing more. One line that uh, came from the interview, she says, you know, people say you should pull yourself with, up by your bootstraps, but you have to have boots. Exactly. And you have to have straps. Mm-hmm. And I never heard that before. It's <laughs> yes. so brilliant. Yes, yes, very powerful. Yeah, it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it's like um, when people are in these situations, um, we always let them know that no one is exempt from becoming homeless. You know, you can think your life is just, you know, wonderful, and you're only one circumstance away mm-hmm. from becoming homeless. Yeah. You know, it can be someone can, in your family can suddenly pass away, and they could have mm-hmm. been the main provider, and right. then you fall back. And we've seen these types of situations. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always, you know, 
really put out there, never look down on someone who's down mm-hmm. on their luck because mm-hmm. it could be you. Right. You know, and you and you never, you know, misjudge the situation, you know, um, or, you know, just don't be so judgmental. Mm-hmm. We all, we all, you know, could come up on hard times or Definitely. just experience something that can just knock you off, right. knock you from your feet right down on your behind, right, right, you know? Right. So, and um, a lot of people are blessed to make it out of the situation because it's hard once you become homeless. It's not easy mm-hmm. to, um, to get out of that situation, yeah. you know? Um, there's so many rules and so many policies that it's almost like they're made to keep people down once yeah. they're down. Yeah. You know, you have to go through, um, you have to go over hurdles just to get services that will help you provide your basic needs. Yeah. You know, so. So, so we're moving into winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how are you preparing people are there sh- are there enough shelter beds for people in Springfield, and uh-huh. how are how are they getting prepared? No, there there's not really, and um, a lot of okay. So what we do is we when we know that cold weather is approaching because mm-hmm. we we pay attention to the weather, we let people um, know where they can go for shelter. Um, we often refer people to Friends of the Homeless. That's, you know, the most popular um, place that we refer people to. Um, But... um, And that's a shelter? It's a shelter in Uh Springfield. And it's for for single um, people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, DHCD is for families. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, what our, our homelessness committee has done is we um, started a campaign about the cold weather and the policy that is in place. So um, before we started working on this campaign, um, Springfield had a response uh, a response plan with it, with the temperature of um, ten degrees before they will go out and find people who are homeless you know so they have like a team that goes out and search for people on those cold days Mm -hmm. so the the response temperature was only 10 degrees with a negative wind chill factor of um, 15 degrees so we said that has to be changed because um those are freezing temperatures and we we have lost people in the past from freezing in the cold so um Myself, along with the Homelessness Committee of Arise, um, we we sent out letters to the city council, and then um, we um, sent out more letters to um, Health and Human Services um, about increasing the response temperature. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a long fight, but we finally um, got them to raise the uh, response temperature to 20 degrees. Wow, that still doesn't seem very, (laughs) you know, warm enough. Because things happen at 30 degrees. Exactly. So we are proposal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So our proposal was 32 degrees. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I have hope in them that they will increase it, right. but I, I understand that it does take you know, for them to have the right, a right amount of staff, because they will have to go out more often yeah. if it's if it's sure. increased. Sure. But you know, um, so we're going to keep on pushing for that. Yeah. You know. That would be good. That yeah. would be good. Um, so what? Well, I mean, we've been talking about so much, but over your time at Arise. Mm -hmm. Can you think of some of the lessons that you've learned, in particular about organizing? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, about organizing, you have to, you have to be an influence to the people, to the mm -hmm. community. You know, you can't just go out there and say, okay, um, let's make a change. If you are, if they don't see you out there already trying to make a change, you know, yeah. um, people like to come on board when they see you active in the community. Sure. You know, so I, I would just say, you know, let let people see the good that you're doing first. And in that, I would imagine too is sort of making a relationship, getting trust exactly. between you and the person. Yes. So yeah. when they see us working in the community and, you know, having events that we invite them to, we engage with them, you know, and they're more apt to just join in, mm -hmm. you know, and we welcome them, you know. Um, Arise is a non-judgmental zone. Mm -hmm. You're safe here. Yeah. You know, no one's going to judge you because you have purple hair, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, some of the staff have purple hair. You know, we have, <laughs> you know, tattoos and everything. So you're just, you know, you can feel comfortable coming in and being yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very important to be who you are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, um, I wanted to also ask you when we, you know, when I was there for the poetry uh, workshop, I met your son. Yes. And I know that there's a really interesting story mm -hmm. about how you became a mom. Oh, yes. Do you want to share that? <laughs> sure. Um, I literally, okay. So you know how when a woman becomes pregnant, she has time to prepare for motherhood. <laughs> you know, she has nine months. You know, they have the baby showers. She gets the clothes and everything. The aunties buy stuff. Well, my, in my case, it was different. Yeah. I became a mother literally overnight when I was asked to babysit uh, a baby boy. He was uh, only like one at the time, a little over one mm -hmm. at the time. And I was asked to babysit, and no one came back to get him. So, um, wow. you know, so. So when did you realize, like, oh, my gosh, he's <laughs> here to stay? Yeah. Um, so a week turned into two months. Two months turned into six. Six months turned into two years. And um, 12 years later. Wow. He's just mine. We're just mother and son. We're just a family. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and he he came into my life at a time where, you know, I was going through some dark times. I was depressed. I was um, in a bad relationship, you know, mm -hmm. coming out of a bad relationship. And so, you know, um, 
I was also going through some self-esteem issues. Mm. I was just broken, you know. So um, at that time, I had to... um, I had to make myself better to care for him, you know? So um, I went back to school. Everything that I did was for him. And then I actually came to the, I had like an epiphany um, that although I'm doing this for him, I need to do it for myself Mm -hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So caring for him just helped bring me to another place in life. Mm-hmm. It helped me value myself more, you know, and even the stuff that he said to me, you know, um, like, like, I love you mm-hmm. and, you know, um, you're such a great mom. It just let me be able to self-reflect and yeah. say, you know, what, I am a good person. Yeah. I yeah. am a good mom. I am, you know, I, I do have worth, you know, so... Wow. Um, yeah. So that's what that has So that me. that's how that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. He he wrote some poetry that day also. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Um he he's a very gifted child. Mm. He thinks beyond his years and um he's just he's very thoughtful and he has such a brilliant mind. Wow. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> um, even um, his memory is like, I, I say that it's advanced. He can see a movie once and just, <laughs> he can repeat the lines the yeah. next time he sees it. He can just, <laughs> I'm like, how do you remember that That's after right. only seeing it one time? Yeah. So yeah, he's an awesome, he's an awesome oh. kid. And yeah. how old is he now? He's 13. 13. Yes. So you've had him about 12 years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, I just wanted to check in. Is there anything else you would like to talk about or share about your work or yourself or? uh... Yes. So um, I when I was uh, in Elms at Elms College, Mm -hmm. um, we had this group class. they were teaching us how to facilitate groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then I started an empowerment group, which when I came came to Arise, I wanted to, you know, have that same group. And so um, the group is called Beauty and Empowerment. Hmm. So, but the beauty is not spelled like B-E-A-U-T-Y, it's actually the words B-U. Be you know, B U T and empowerment, and you know I, yeah I, I wanted to stress the importance of you know, us being ourselves, and and, you know, beauty is not what we just see what's promoted on TV, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, so I would like to redefine what true beauty mm-hmm. is and that's just being your true selves yeah. no matter who you are what walk of life you you've come from you know no matter your skin color you right. know we're so used to seeing um billboards i mean things are starting to change now but you know back in the day even when i was growing up uh, you know the what society defined as beauty was was someone that had white skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, totally. you know, and um, 
So I just want to, want to put that message out there that we're beautiful as yeah. how we were created to be, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And I also, um, the group was also created to unify women mm -hmm. in today's society where we see on social media and on reality TV, women just pitted against each other, arguing over yeah. a man and fighting and stuff. So I want, you know, to let women know that we are to be unified. Mm -hmm. We've struggled enough throughout the years. You know, we, we couldn't even vote for a while, right. you know, so we need to be unified and help build each other up, help empower each other, give each other encouraging words. It's hard to be a woman, yeah. you know. Um, to get even, valued for all the, the, you know, mothering and... Uh, yeah. Women. I mean, the, the idea of divide and conquer, mm -hmm. it, it's divide women from each other, divide people who are poor exactly. from each other when they're, yeah. depending if they're black or white, all the ways that we, if we were more together, we would have so much more power. Right. But it's, it's that uh, it coming from society, coming from, yeah, from yeah. all the, uh, the messages, exactly. the media, all of that. Yes. Yeah. So it's like... So how many are in your crew? Well, um, so we did like uh, sessions. There were 10 women. Mm -hmm. And um, so we stopped the sessions, but I'm going to offer it as a class mm. in, at the Truth School. Oh, So wow. um, the next spring semester, uh, the upcoming semester, the, the class will be um, yeah. offered through that. Do you want to just say a little about the Truth School? Give a little shout out. Oh, so shout out to the Truth School. Um, it's been just amazing, um, all of the classes. If you just look through the catalog, the different types of classes that they have that, you know, um, different topics that you can learn from and just have meaningful discussions about yeah. um, things that really affect people. Sure. You know, and... Um, I think it's important for everyone to get involved, you know? Yeah, it, I, I think it's such an important thing in our whole valley, yes. from Greenfield all the way down to Springfield, Holyoke, Chicopee, mm. and that all the classes are free. Yes. But all yes. the trainers get paid. Yes. That's yes, very good. Yes, it's wonderful. So it's the true school for social change leadership. Yes. And... Uh, Actually, and Andrea Vazian was another person that I interviewed on my show. So oh, we talked about wonderful. The, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, another aspect of it that I have noticed is like me coming down to your place for the workshop, all of a sudden now I know about Arise. Yes. And I meet you, and now we're here in Greenfield. You mm -hmm. know, it's like really networking broader than our small little communities. Exactly. Yes. It's really important. It is. It yeah. is. It yeah. is. Um, I, I guess uh, I guess I, I, I'm sorry I didn't ask you to bring a poem to read to us that you had written. Um, but if there's any like little thing you remember, I actually did just bring the poem. <laughs> yes, Do you um, have it here. I have it here, but it's in my bag. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe we can get someone to help us. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I thought maybe I should bring this um, That's the so poem, the smart. same one that I read at the um, true oh, school great. training. Okay. So yeah. It's right on that okay. side. Yeah. I have notes written on the back. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, so um uh, this poem is um it's about the advocacy i was explaining about mm -hmm. um the mother from puerto rico who we had oh, a hard yeah. time um accessing services for her because of her documentation yeah. um so and i i never even put a title to the poem mm -hmm. i just wrote it because i was i was feeling so strongly about it um the situation so uh I guess I can start now. <laughs> a mother with four walked into the door. They placed their backpacks down on the floor. The mother looked down, her head hung low, as she explained that they had nowhere else to go. She fled Puerto Rico with her daughters and son, cause domestic abuse had her on the run. Battered, abused, even held with a gun, she came to the States to start back at square one. We offered advice to try and help her. We suggested she apply for emergency shelter. Come to find out she already had applied, but the letter in her hand said that she was denied. Every time she looked at her children, she cried because a roof over their heads she could no longer provide. Myself, as well as the whole Arise staff, we strategized and advocated on her behalf. Quite sure we'd get her in after phone calls and an email, so for the night, we placed her in a motel. One night actually turned into four, until we, could, we couldn't provide a motel anymore. We'd ran out of funds, we were dry to the bone, so Michael Ambusey took them into her home. Oh, there you go. We kept contacting the heads of the agency and soon became appalled with their blatancy. We couldn't believe the response of these people as they asked for her documents all the way from Puerto Rico. Their, requ their request was absolutely insane. They seemed to have really lost their brains because Due to the recent hurricane, her documents were impossible to obtain. From then on, it didn't seem to get any better. They even refused a third party letter. By then, we were all at the end of our ropes. Each place we inquired for shelter said, nope. Mm -hmm. The mother of four began to lose hope. These her, are her exact words, and I quote, I'm going to give my children to the state. She cried because she no longer knew her fate. It became more difficult for us to advocate with no available DV shelter in the whole entire state. We searched, we searched out of state, Connecticut, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, still no good report. As the family's lives were in a crumble, suddenly was a light at the end of the tunnel. There was a reason for everyone to start smiling 
when we received a call that there was shelter in Rhode Island. As the good news came to the mother's ears, her eyes began to fill up with tears. She finally was able to let go of her fears and live in peace after all the years. Wow. So that's, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, the rhyming is sort of a surprise, <laughs> but you capture, you capture it so well. You describe you. it so well. Thank you. So, Joni, thank you so much for oh, coming and doing It was this my pleasure. Me. I really love getting to know you better oh, and all me the work as well. you're doing. Thank yeah. you. And I also would like to give a thanks and a shout out to the Greenfield Community Television, who is helping us with the taping of this show. And uh, see you next time on Going Deeper. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>